You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. Hey! Welcome to Music Biz 101 and more, your free music business uh, advice radio show and podcast. God. This is, no, this is tremendous, Dr. Estes. Yes, because it is the last one of the day. Of the day. <laughs> and we've been in this lovely suite here at the convention center, room 202. In Nashville, Tennessee. And you would think that would be a very bright room because it's on the second floor but indeed it is not it is the second floor of the basement right. the <laughs> convention center and but the 1980 prison decor it can right be. here yes with the bricks and the black what what do you do with there's that? there's black on the side of the rooms and then there's right and it's not a chalkboard i checked yeah. that out it's, it's like uh, taken right out of planet of the apes i think i right. think so very interesting <laughs> going so, on yeah so uh, i should tell our listeners that they should find us every wednesday at brave new radio 88.7 fm on the campus william patterson university in scenic way new jersey or on itunes soundcloud and stitch radio as a podcast can you say things that fast katie absolutely not no. <laughs> i am your co-host professor david kirk phil with your other co-host dr Esteban. marconi yes and we are live and pre-recording what you're listening to from Nashville, Tennessee. As we said, we are at the Music Biz 2016 convention, as we said, again in Nashville, Tennessee. We want to give some thanks to the Music Biz Association for giving us this space so that we could do all these podcasts with people Beautiful. like our guest. We have a guest, Katie Beautiful. Jellin from Secret Road. Katie Jellin from Secret Road. Thank you. And this we're gelling with you so far. Oh, gelling with gelling. That is the new show, <laughs> Gelling with Gelling, here on WPSZ Brave New Really good. And of course, you heard another voice in the background. Her name is Victoria Rizzo, going for yes. music business here at William yes. Patterson University. Great to have you, Victoria Rizzo. She was able to get the guest, and because Victoria is here, it is because of Mia. For example, the Music and Entertainment Industry Educators Association. They gave us a grant which helped fund. Christine, I'm sorry, you're not Christina. I don't know anybody. Sorry. <laughs> goodbye, goodbye, Victoria. Victoria, to get here. We also want to give thanks to may we, Katie. May we give thanks to two other entities? If sure. You want. Thank Go you very it. much. The first, and you'll get involved in number two. And number one, we want to give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management, with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, Sharon Jones, the Dap Kings, and Kiss. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vp-cpa.com when you're ready. So, Victoria, you're in a band. Okay. You're at that point where you need a business manager. Who are you going to call? Them. Right. Them being Van, <laughs> Van Dyne Bruno yeah. and White Hat, White Hat Management. So thank you very much. But you only want to call them when you're ready. Don't force it, I'm Victoria. I'm not going to force it. Don't do not. Me. No, it's I up will, to you. I would never. It's nothing to do with them. And also, Katie Jellin, we should give thanks to Vic, uh, Christina Vay. It's just Christine Vay. She's a wealth manager. And you're just looking at me, Katie. You're just staring at me with, with the, these eyes of, I don't know if you, you're thinking, I don't know if I like him or could ever like him. 
<laughs> Let's give thanks to Christine Vey, a wealth manager and the president of Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson University to manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you, for example, Katie Jellen, we're Jellen with Jellen, if you are looking for guidance on how to plan for your retirement or if you have questions on anything from investments to portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, you could give Christine a call. You're going to repeat the number after I say, okay? Oh, gosh. Christine's number is 732. <laughs> 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. You know, you didn't have to call her. You could have emailed her. <laughs> oh Christine at veywealth.com, and she would advise you. Sounds fantastic. You know, there's a little bit more about her. Dr. Marconi? Yes, there is. And her tagline, <laughs> her tagline is? She's a wonderful champion fishing person. Yes. she Saltwater deep sea holds... Records for collecting, <laughs> for catching tuna, shark. <laughs> and she catches the shark with her bare hands, no, by the way. It's, She's, it's and that's how she gets And her office is in Brielle, New Jersey. It's on the shore. Right. And she believes definitely that... It's your money, your wealth, her vision. Is that it? It's... No, nope. sure <laughs> focus. <laughs> Nobody's vision. There's no vision involved. Wow. Just a She'll lot of focus. Change it. I know. Once that's you right. Use that word. So enough of the of the banter of the silly yeah, banter. We right are now, silly now and we must apologize because this is interview number <laughs> number fifteen of the day. Fifteen of the day, and for the whole season. I don't like sixty, but we're doing thirty. No, no from yesterday uh, from, too. From, uh, this is actually nineteen overall. Wow. And uh, we have like 10 tomorrow that we're going to do. Great. And so we're very excited about that and very excited to be gelling with gelling. So our good friend, <laughs> Victoria Rizzo, yes. is going to do a quick bio and okay. then she's going to do some questions. And every once in a while, we're going to jump in and say, no, Katie, you're wrong. <laughs> Victoria Rizzo, you right. may go. Um, we're here with Katie and she's head of artist relations for Secret Road. She also works as part of their creative team for Secret Road Music Publishing. That was great. All right, Katie. Keep it up. Um, so I want to start off by asking you, like, what exactly does Secret Road do for artists? Um, yeah, well, we do a lot of things. Um, we are a music services company. Mm -hmm. So we actually started out as a music licensing company. So we pitch artists for film, television, and advertising. Um, and then kind of from there, we started a publishing company. So now we're a... a traditional publisher in a lot of ways. We're a non-traditional publisher in a lot of ways. We pitch for licensing. Uh, we also manage one artist, Ingrid Michelson. Mm -hmm. um, so we do everything for her. We're her label, her management, her publisher, you name it, we do it all. Um, and we kind of act as managers for a lot of our other artists. Um, not in any official capacity, but we kind of call ourselves a family. So anything any of our artists need, they call us and we help them however we can. May I give a quick follow-up? Yeah. Because um, you said you're both a traditional and non-traditional mm -hmm. publishing company. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I think, you know, when a lot of people go to a publisher, they kind of expect, uh, you know, a traditional publishing deal. Like, kind of, it's one size fits all. This is our deal. You know, this is what we have to offer. And we don't really operate that way. Every mm -hmm. single art artist has a different type of agreement with us. Um, you know, some artists, we just pitch their music for sync. Other artists, we have full-on traditional publishing deals with a monthly draw. Um, so every agreement is kind of tailor-made to the needs of the artist or the writer. And also it would depend upon the status of the artist, what kind of they deal they get as well. Like if, if me, you, you find me that I have, there's a spark and you believe I'm could be a good developing songwriter, yeah. I'll have one deal versus 
Victoria, who's had already some some radio airplay, and she's she's getting some buzz and maybe Absolutely. getting some hits. Yeah, and all of that. She's going to get maybe an admin deal versus the, totally. Yeah, yeah, every every sort of situation is is discussed really heavily with our whole team and the artist and their team and. We never want people to feel like stifled or unhappy. So we always have those conversations on the front ends, like what are your needs, what are your wants, what can we provide for you, make sure that their expectations are realistic, make sure our expectations are realistic. Um, and kind of, you know, we try to court each other pretty heavily before we, you know, get into bed with each other, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. It's great because I actually talk to, when I talk to classes about things like getting a publishing deal or getting a manager, getting mm -hmm. a label, it doesn't just happen. No. You, there's time in between where you are getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that Victoria as a writer is actually going to write and that she's really dedicated to Absolutely. this because if you're going to dedicate your time, your investment, all of that, that she's actually going to live through on her part of the bargain. And then on your end, you want to make sure that uh, Katie is going to mm -hmm. do what they say. So it, yeah, it takes time to... Yeah, and the last thing we want is an artist saying that we didn't deliver for them or that it's not what they thought it was going to be. Like, I'd much rather have a, you know, a lengthier courting process and then, you know, we decide that it's we're right for each other, we're not right for each other, than to sign someone too early and then they're like, whoa, this is not what I thought it was going to be. So we try to prevent that mm -hmm. <laughs> at all mm -hmm. costs. Mm -hmm. I read somewhere that you started out as a studio assistant and yeah. then you made a jump to an A&R representative. What was that like? What was that transition like? Like, how did that come about? Yeah, well, my um, I, my very first job was uh, a studio assistant in mm -hmm. Philadelphia, where I'm from, um, at this really famous recording studio called Sigma Sound, um, mm -hmm. and I did that my senior year of high school, actually. I organized their tape catalog in the basement, so that was my very first job. Um, but at Secret Road, um, I started out as an intern, actually, about mm -hmm. six years ago. Um, I... Um, graduated law school in Philadelphia and moved out to Los Angeles originally to take a job at an agency doing contracts for the music department and that fell through as soon as I moved to LA so I found myself unemployed in Los Angeles with approximately two friends only one of, oh. <laughs> one of which worked in uh, music so after looking for jobs unsuccessfully for about six months I got desperate and um, decided to look for an internship I said I just needed to meet people I didn't care how I did it so Actually, the, the night I decided to look for an internship, I stumbled upon a uh, two-year-old uh, internship posting for Secret Road. Didn't know what sync licensing was, didn't know who Ingrid Michelson was. Sent an email to the owner and I said, hey, I don't know if you're even still looking, but I have a law degree. I'll come work for you for free. I just need to meet some people. Please give me a chance. Mm -hmm. um, she forwarded the email along to my colleague, Brian Benacore at the time, who called me in for an interview, actually on my birthday. And I went in, and um, it's, our office at the time was actually on the street where the Hollywood sign was. Mm -hmm. So I was like, on my birthday, driving up the hill, and all of a sudden, like, literally a sign appeared. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, like, maybe this is something. Right. So went in for an interview, loved them, they loved me. They called me later that day and said, we have good news and bad news. The good news is we love you, we'd love to have you. And the bad news is, because you're not a student, we can't really have you intern for us mm -hmm. but if you can figure out a way around that we'd love to have you so I put my law degree to use and I drafted a contract that said that I would not sue them for employing <laughs> me for free mm -hmm. <laughs> and they hired me as their unpaid intern so I interned for them for about two months um, and then our office manager quit um, to go be the assistant for Lucian Grange at Universal um, and I got her job so I started out as the office manager and then from there it's kind of like any position that needed to be filled or any um, anything that someone needed help with at the office, I just raised my hand. 
So I kind of transitioned from office manager to assistant of the owner, who's also Ingrid Michelson's manager. Worked on Ingrid's team for about two years. And then as our pitching team got busier and busier pitching for Sank, um, a lot of our artists weren't really feeling the love necessarily. So I just started showing them the love. So going to their shows after hours, responding to emails, getting questions answered for them from our team who was just totally overloaded at the time. And so it kind of turned into this full-time artist relations role, which then turned into um, a creative publishing role. Because um, I just started setting up call rights because my colleague on the publishing side, Josh Sarbin, needed some help. and. I said, I'll help you. So I kind of started setting up co-writes, and that was about, I guess, two and a half years ago now. What do you mean by co-writes? Um, so co-writing, uh, it's a very, I feel like it's a very Nashville thing. I mean, it happens all over the place, but especially in Nashville. Um, you basically just stick two writers, at least usually two writers, but sometimes more in the room um, to write, and usually they've never met before. Sometimes you give them an assignment. Sometimes they just write to write. Um, and that's a co-write. So I'm kind of always looking to see what writers are in town. I'm always going to showcases and kind of trying to be a matchmaker for our writers. Like, who would our writers write well with? And so it's kind of my job to know who's up and coming, who they should be writing with, who's about to get signed to a record deal, who's signing with a publisher, who's unsigned. Because um, sometimes it's better to have our people write with people that are not signed, or other times it's better to have them write with people that are signed. So kind of knowing as many people as possible um, and then pairing them up creatively. We had a talent scout from Atlantic Records in earlier mm -hmm. today, and her job is to uncover talent, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we were talking to some other people earlier about everybody wants to go into A&R, and what you're <laughs> doing is a little of both. You yeah. know, you're uncovering talent, it's A&R, it's getting involved with artists, and it's creating something as well. It's a, it sounds like a very unique position, and it's something that most people say, I want to be at A&R, and they all, all they think is record label. Mm -hmm. But then yeah. there's what you're doing, and sort of what you're doing, you kind of helped create as well, which is even cooler. Totally, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, um, you know, I like it because it's, it is creative, but there's, I feel like there's, at least for me, that feels like there's a little bit more stability on the publishing side than mm -hmm. on the label side. I feel like on the label side, there's a lot more kind of, you know, relying on you because the company is investing a considerable amount of money when you sign a project. Um, whereas on the publishing side, I feel like we get in a little bit earlier, we're developing, so there is an investment there, but a lot of times it's more a time investment than a monetary investment. So obviously my company's still relying on me to do a good job and to find great talent, but it's not like there's like, you know, a million dollar label deal looming over me that's like, oh, this band better sell, you know, X number of copies in the first week or you're getting mm -hmm. the boot. So I kind of I kind of like that. It still feels like a little bit more romantic to me, and it's like we kind of take our time, and you know we kind of are on the ride together in a lot of ways. Is this mostly a Nashville model, or is it L.A., New York, Miami? Um, I think it's I think it's kind of all over. I mean, our mm -hmm. company is actually based in L.A. I'm the only person in Nashville in mm -hmm. the Nashville office. Um, so you know our I guess our model is a little bit more L.A. And I think when people look at us, they think you know still think of us as like an L.A. company. Um, you know, we definitely have incorporated more traditional aspects to what we do since I've moved here, um, at least in our signings and kind of the types of writers that we sign and the way that we kind of develop them. Um, but I think probably our company model as a whole is maybe a little bit more LA, although like LA is also moving to Nashville. So I think like the lines are getting <laughs> blurred in a lot of ways anymore. Interesting. We read John Seabrook's book, The Hit oh, Machine. Yeah. Yeah. Did you read the book? Yeah. And, and when you talk about the co-writes, they made an example of, uh, was it uh, L.A. Reid? or uh, what might have been universal at the time, but they were 
I think it was LA where he was doing writing camps mm -hmm. and this would be in, in Los Angeles and there would be co-writers all yeah. over the yeah, city. And artists would just like hop around a lot of times <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. and yeah, hop in a different you, room. Yeah, you'd get five hours together and then somebody's gonna come in and move you and you stay yeah. and somebody else comes in, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's still, you know, that still happens a lot. You know, they'll mm -hmm. do artist specific writing camps like maybe, you know, I think there was one I don't know, a couple years ago, I remember hearing all about they were putting one for Kelly Clarkson, and it was like she was writing for a record, and they bring in all these top writers to kind of just like you know write their hearts out for the record and hope that something's going to stick. So I think that still happens. Um, we do we've done some writing camps with some of the PROs, so with like ASCAP and BMI, and we've brought in usually about thirty writers, about ten that we represent, ten that ASCAP or BMI wants to kind of throw in the mix, and then ten from other publishers that we work with. Um, and we'll usually give them assignments, so we'll put them in groups of three, um, and then give them an assignment to write for film or television or commercials or for another artist. So those mm -hmm. are kind of that's been our foray into the writing camps. Mm -hmm. And they they aren't paid any sort of stipend to do that. It's basically they're investing their time in like any other. It's any other musician, you know, they're trying to. Yeah, I mean, usually the ones that we've done have been here, so it's usually mm -hmm. people that are based here. Sometimes right. we'll have writers come in from LA, and usually they'll make a bigger trip out of it, so they'll kind of plan a couple weeks, come do a bunch of writing, we'll set up all the mm -hmm. rights for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times, it's always really interesting, so whenever we do those camps, it's like, I kind of assume that everyone here in town like knows each other already, because it's mm -hmm. such a small town vibe. But we have these camps, and everyone, it's every time it's like, Oh my gosh! I've always heard your name, but like I've never like we've never written together. Like it's I'm so glad we finally got paired up. So like that always happens. It always blows my mind. I'm like, you guys have lived in the same town for ten years. Like how have you never <laughs> written with each other, met each other? It's always crazy to me. But mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to be able to kind of make those connections and you know introducing people, and then I get to see them collaborate again and again and again. And it's like okay, that worked. Like that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, back, backing up a little bit, you mentioned that you have a law degree, yeah. and you also have a degree in music industry. Mm -hmm. How important do you think education is to people like myself trying to get into the music business? Like oh, as a podcast for an institution, you're not going <laughs> to like my answer. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think the music industry is one of those rare industries where it doesn't really doesn't really matter that mm -hmm. much. Um, you know, I went to undergraduate um, to Drexel University for music industry and. I think in in retrospect, I learned I learned a lot of things, but I feel like I got the most out of my like internships, mm -hmm. um, which I got on, on my own. But you, you so, didn't have to do like uh, through classes for your internships. You didn't have to do that with the school. We did. We had like a co-op program at Drexel, okay. so we did a little bit of that. But for the most part, it was kind of just me hustling my own opportunities. Um, so I don't know how much that like really added like I feel like it's been my internship experiences and I know a lot of the interns that I have here like have kind of said the same thing mm -hmm. um, so I don't I don't know when I see someone's resume like to me it's not gonna like their education and GPA and all that stuff isn't necessarily gonna make or break whether I want to work with that person you know it's more like what their vibe is mm -hmm. and what their work ethic is like mm -hmm. and I think there are a lot of things that are just kind of like embedded in a person is like who they are and not necessarily from their education mm -hmm. so you know I think a good program will obviously make those introductions and you know like Belmont University here in town does a really good job of bringing in people that are in the industry to like speak and like pairing them up with you know students and mm -hmm. you know there are a couple I've found a couple writers through Belmont's program you know that I've that I've mentored or that I've met through you know speaking to various classes that you know, I've helped get deals or I've talked about signing. So there, there are different benefits, but I think a lot of those benefits are more of like, they're kind of on the fringe of like the program, okay. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the law degree, like people ask me this all the time, like <laughs> if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone. Like 
I would have just read the you know Donald Passman's book like mm-hmm. yeah. and I mean I'd still keep that by my bed I'd get every edition like I still brush up on that mm-hmm. um, you know and I you know I still have all my old entertainment law books and I read them if I you know mm-hmm. if there are certain questions I have I'll go back and read them so I don't know I think it's like unless you want to actually practice law like just you know spend a couple hundred dollars on books instead of a you know a mm-hmm. hundred thousand dollars going to law school do you utilize your law degree at all at Secret Road or I mean I use it in like a non-official capacity you know if artists who we work with or you know artists that I know if they you know get a contract that looks super intimidating they'll mm-hmm. ask me you know for my opinion about it like a lot of people ask me about like other companies deals um and I'll kind of break it down for them, and I'll say, you know, I think this is fair. I think this is not fair. Like, obviously, they should get an attorney, you know, before they mm-hmm. sign a deal. But, you know, I think agreements look a lot scarier than they actually are once you break them down. So I'll pretty much just use it to, like, calm artists. Yeah. That's the really the only extent I <laughs> use my <laughs> law degree. Um, and before you got to this point in your career, uh, did you picture yourself somewhere else? Did, did you expect that this would happen to you? Or? Um, like, this would happen to me. Like, like I don't know, like, <laughs> like that, that you'd be at the position you're at now in, at, at Secret Road. Like. Um, you know, I originally, um, like, the reason I went to law school was I wanted to do artist management, and that mm-hmm. was kind of how I started out, and that was kind of my original plan. And I kind of had a really bad breakup with an artist on the management side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of realized, you know, I, cause I'd worked with this artist for several years and, you know, that was, I'm like, all right, this is going to be, this is it. Like, this is when I'm, you know, stand up nights, like doing this and, you know, you, I, to wake up one day and the artist for whatever reason decides that they don't want you to be a part of their journey anymore, agreement or not, you're not, you don't get to be a part of their their journey anymore. You know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll get rid of you, you know, however they can. So to me, it just felt like. I'm investing all this time and energy in this person who has full control over the trajectory of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just didn't feel good to me. You know, like I want to know that like all of the kind of hard work that, that I do day in and day out is like leading to something. Um, and I kind of felt that was more valid on the publishing side of things. Cause it's like, even though like I'm obviously like making all these contacts for my writers and for the company I work for, you know, no matter where I go and what I'm doing, like I'm still kind of like developing my own brand and building my own brand that I can kind of carry with me. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like on the management side, I kind of felt like you get fired and like you're you're kind of starting from scratch in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, you still have those contacts, but you're, you're kind of you have to utilize them for different ways for every artist that you work with. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't feel as like stable to me, which I just did not enjoy. <laughs> so you, you don't do any artist management like on your like on your own off of. No, I mean we we kind we do a lot of management type things for a mm-hmm. lot of our writers, but I anytime anyone I've been asked several times to manage artists since then, and I no. run in the opposite direction as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Troy Carter, who had managed Lady yeah. Gaga, and she fired him a while back, but mm-hmm. went through something similar. I think his very first artist was like Mary J. Blige or Missy Elliott or somebody like that, and that was the only artist he was managing. And they were doing okay, but then for whatever reason, she fired him. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that was it. He had nothing. Yep. And he had to start from zero again. Yeah, and it's he really realized, scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he realized, I can't put all my, all yep. all my eggs in yep. one basket. Yep. So he you know, expanded a little bit. Now he does more than just management, that kind of thing. Totally. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It's tough. We uh, are friends with a guy named Dave Laurie, yeah. who has managed artists. He, he was like the fixer manager. He would mm-hmm. go in if... Uh, and a label would say, hey, can you come in and fix this situation because your current manager, um, Kurt Cobain's wife was... Courtney. Courtney Love. Yeah. Right. Um, the label was having big trouble with Courtney Love. Yeah. And he came in and he managed her for a couple of years and got things sort of righted the ship for a bit until mm-hmm. she went 
cuckoo again. But um, <laughs> and then he managed to. Um, well, basically, he said some, there's a sunset clause yeah. in the in the agreements, mm-hmm. and he said doesn't matter if you have a sunset clause, doesn't mean the artist is going to live by the sunset mm-hmm. clause. And mm-hmm. generally, there's not enough money. I mean, I can't him. tell you how many manager friends of mine have. I mean, you get fired. You get fired in your management career. It's just it's bound mm-hmm. to happen at some point. Yeah, right. Uh, but so many friends of mine have been fired and just the artists just refuse to pay. I mean, they'll drag it out in court. Like they'd rather pay lawyers than pay mm-hmm. the manager for whatever reason. And I've just seen it happen so many times and it just, oh, I just don't want to have to deal with it again. It was mm-hmm. just not, for me it was like that That was the reason that, you know, that I got into publishing. That was kind of like the aha moment for me where I kind of like switched paths. And so mm-hmm. it was meant to happen so I could kind of learn that lesson. Because I feel like a lot of times people kind of end up going to management after other things. Yeah. I'm happy I kind of got it out of my system early on in my career and mm-hmm. learned that lesson and right. have moved on. Yeah, it's, right. it's very interesting, yeah. Because mm-hmm. we talked to a guy yesterday, Sean, Sean Carnes is his name, mm-hmm. who um, worked for labels and now he's in artist management mm-hmm. um, because he felt that that was his calling and he's like really passionate about it. But yeah. he didn't bring up... That, that side, you know, the dark side of it yet, which totally. a lot of people don't I mean, know. and there are tons, I mean, there are tons of great managers out mm-hmm. there, and they're, that's, they're built for that life. I just realized that I was not built for it in that way, mm-hmm. that sort of, in, you know, lack of stability, which just wasn't for me. Which is the lesson, yeah. Really, yeah, you know? like sure. Other people would have been like, ah, screw that person, I'm going <laughs> to go get the next one, you know? Yep. And for you, it was just different, you know? Totally. So, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the sunset clause isn't something that every artist has to, like, agree with a manager with or like I mean every agreement is totally different but I mean you can have you can have an agreement uh-huh. um, but if an artist doesn't feel like following the terms of that agreement or they feel like the agreement is invalid for whatever reason a lot of times they would just rather so just fight it in job. court I mean you could keep fighting it but when you think about the number of you know lawyer lawyer fees that you'll la- you'll rack mm-hmm. up trying to get that sunset clause at a mm-hmm. certain point it's just better to just kind of give up I'm going to spend $25,000 yeah. on a lawyer wow. for $5,000. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of times it's not even any money. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's that so too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And the artist knows if that. If an yeah. artist drops you, they're usually not making $3 billion <laughs> a week. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. I mean, Gaga, we still don't know the real reason mm-hmm. at that, but we know that she has had struggled after he left, there's no question, yeah. from Born This Way and, and so on. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. So, but normally when that happens... There's no money, okay. you know, so there's nothing worth suing because there's, you know, you'll hear all these judgments all the time. What was it, Aaron Andrews just got something like 45 yeah, million or something. Yeah. She'll never get it. Yeah. And the guy has no money, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, At a certain point, you just want to move on with your life, too. It's yeah. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, do I want to keep fighting this and fighting this, or yeah, do I just want to put it behind me? You know, it, it's funny because we're on this subject, but... Um, I think it was Jackie Robinson's birthday or some anniversary just came up and they were talking to Mrs. Robinson. That's what, I can't remember her name right now. And uh, they said, aren't you bitter? And she says, why would I be bitter? It would just ruin my life for the next 30, 40 years if I continue to be bitter. Mm-hmm. It's the same principle. Yep. If you're in a suit that's going to be 5, 10 years, you're miserable for those 5, 10 years. Why, you know... Do unless it unless it's, money. Unless it's uh, you know many millions yeah, of dollars. Exactly. Yeah, and, I mean, and, <laughs> and, and, and money has to be that important to you too yeah. to want to do that. You know, right. so interesting. Okay. Do you want to have uh, a final question for um, Katie? Yeah, just in like a male-dominated business, how do you feel being a woman in the industry? 
You know, that's been a very, uh, I think, big question for me, especially since, because I was in LA for the last five years, and then mm-hmm. I've been in Nashville a year now. And just being totally honest, like, I never felt, I never felt the difference, mm-hmm. I guess, when I lived in LA. And I feel it a lot in Nashville. Mm. Really? Yeah. And it's, and I've never been, like, I was, I've never been the type of person where it's like, like I've never been like a feminist and mm-hmm. like, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. That's just never really been my thing. But for the first time when I came here, I was like, whoa, like, this is actually like a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you, I think you were at the panel with me yeah. yesterday. You know, it's, um, it's there are always these conversations about like you know women need to need to help each other and I just feel like there are so many you know there's so many conversations like that happening but I don't necessarily see a lot of action on that like I think as women we talk about helping each other but I think when it actually comes down to it I don't see that happening as much as I think it probably should um, so it's hard I mean I definitely think that it's a boys club um, in a lot of ways, especially here in, in Nashville. And I think that's changing. You know, there are some, like, badass women that are kind mm-hmm. of, like, mm-hmm. you know, kicking some doors open for us and making it a little bit easier. But, you know, they go and they, you know, play hockey do- hockey together and they, you know, go and bro down. And, like, <laughs> we're not invited to those things. And, you know, we, tr- we try to be. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's – I hope it'll change, you know. But, uh, you know, I feel – I just kind of try not to let it get to me. Some days it does, and those days, you know, there are a couple, like, women here in town who have my back and who have been super supportive since I've moved here, and they kind of have an open door for me, so I'll just go and cry on their couch. That's happened (laughs) a couple times, um, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when I first moved here. And I think just kind of finding the circle of women that, like, you know, has your back. And don't get me wrong, I mean, there are, like, guys in town, too, who have, like, Mm -hmm. opened doors for me and have Mm -hmm. been, like, amazing like bj hill at warner chapel has like opened a ton of doors for me here in town and just because like i don't know just because he wanted to or saw something Mm -hmm. in me like i don't even know why um so i think it's just like finding those people and then paying it forward like i try to do the same for any interns that you know work for me or people that you know are new to town i try to kind of help them the way that other people have helped me yeah Mm -hmm. that is great and uh we are very happy to have had Katie Jelen of Secret Road <laughs> on the guys. radio show. I'm taking your picture, Katie. <laughs> good to have you here. Thank but uh, Marconi, do you have any final words of wisdom for the audience as it relates to Katie Jelen? Jet Red, Jelen, Jelen? No, I don't. It was wonderful. Yeah, it was really great to have you. You know, we should interesting thank. Interesting to talk to A and R in publishing. Yes, which we don't do a lot of that in New York. No, and again, that's why uh, it, it's great that you are here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. it was good. So let's give her a hand, Katie Jelen. <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, you're going to have to join us now as we give thanks to Victoria Rizzo. Victoria Rizzo. Making it happen. Bringing her in. Yep. She brought her A game today. Victoria, I'm going to give you a high five. Go for it. You hear that, people? (laughs) We want to thank Dr. Marconi. brought his B game to this interview. Yes. Yeah, there we go. And, of course, as usual, we could not do this show without my co-host. Dr. Professor David oh, Kirkfield. Oh, that yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Professor David Kirkfield, my good He's friends call me Professor He's sitting in right David now for Dr. David Kirkfield. I know, really. But uh, we, uh, at the end of every show, first of all, right after this, we're all going to play hockey together. So yes. looking forward to hockey with uh, Yellen Jellen. <laughs> but before that, at the end of every show, we do not say hello. You know what we say? We say... Adios! Adios! <laughs>